You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello and welcome to another episode of Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you from the tourism capital of the United States. That's right, Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes out to listen to today's episode of the podcast. We're going to be diving into a great question in just a moment. Before we do that, quick reminder, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. It guarantees that you never miss an episode uh, because if you're subscribed, as soon as we upload an episode, it gets delivered directly to your device. Also, uh, can you do me a huge favor? Go to wherever you download your podcast. And please leave a review in whatever way uh, you know that particular app allows. So like on iTunes, leave a five-star rating. Tell the world you love the podcast. Uh, reviews are a big, big help to the show. They help push us up the search rankings. And in essence, they help us reach more people. So if you could head over and leave a review, that would be awesome. Okay, let's dive into today's content. The question at hand, uh, this came from an email uh, from a regular listener. Our question is, why is Jesus called the Son of Man? Uh, great question. In fact, when you look throughout the Gospels, uh, this seems to be Jesus' favorite term to refer to himself. Uh, multiple times, he calls himself the Son of Man. Uh, just a quick heads up, the word man there doesn't refer to a, a man as in a male or as in a father. Right? It refers to mankind or humanity. When you look in the Greek, it's referring to the, the broader mankind. So Jesus is saying he is the son of mankind. Uh, multiple times in the scriptures, Jesus is referred to as the son of God. And that clearly is referring to his deity, that he originated from a, from a place that is, or came to us from a place, uh, you know, that was different than what any other human comes from. He came from a divine place, uh, that he has divine nature. Uh, but also, he's referred to as the Son of Man, which refers to his humanity, right? Being the Son of Man speaks to the fact that Jesus is completely human. He has a complete human nature. I've talked about this in multiple episodes before, the hypostatic union, right? That is the, the fact that there are two different natures, his humanity and his divinity, completely united in one person. Understanding the humanity of Jesus reminds us that Jesus gets it. Like he understands what it's like to be like us, to be human, to face the trials and tribulations of this life, to, to deal with what we've dealt with, right? The, the book of Hebrews talks about the fact that we don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with us. He understands what we face. He was, he was tested and tried in all the same ways that we are often tested and tried. Jesus gets what it means to be human. And so whenever he refers to himself as the son of man, there's an emphasis on his humanity. And that reminds us that he, that God became a man, like reminds us of the willingness of Jesus to condescend on our behalf, to step out of the, the boundless eternity and into the bounds of time, to step out of the, 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 uh, you know, the eternal or to step off his eternal throne and to limit himself to a physical human body for a period of time. This incredible condescension that Jesus takes on for us. The fact that he is the son of man reminds us of how incredible 
what you know what an incredible sacrifice Jesus made on our behalf. God becoming a human. Think about that. The creator of the universe, the God who oversees everything, makes himself small. He is big and he's strong, but he makes himself small and dependent. And he does that for us to make a way for us to be rescued. This is an incredible truth that we should never take lightly. That's kind of the first meaning of the Son of Man. But there is a second meaning there that I think a lot of Jews in the first century may not have fully grasped. There's no doubt that some did, but a lot of them may not have. The second meaning comes from the book of Daniel. Uh, The prophet Daniel's writing about this, having this vision. There's a lot of symbolism there and a lot of kind of dual meanings. In Daniel chapter 7, there's this narrative where the Ancient of Days, which is referring to God, is giving dominion of the earth over to this other being that is referred to being the Son of Man. And then later, that same character is explained as the one that's standing in for the saints of the Most High um, and the people of the saints of the Most High. So basically, this figure is being handed over power and dominion, and he's the one that's going to stand in and be the substitute for the people of the Most High God. Well, there's this redemption story. Again, there's a lot of symbolism and there's a lot of dual meanings, and, and there's probably... You know, the reality is probably a lot of the the original readers may not have fully grasped what was going on here, but there's this narrative being told to us by the prophet Daniel hundreds of years before Jesus arrives on the scene. The prophet Daniel is telling us that there was going to be one that came to us to be the one that stands on our behalf. The one is that our the one that is our substitute, the one that stands as our rescuer. And this is the Son of Man. So when Jesus is referring to himself as the Son of Man, he is claiming to be the rescuer. He is claiming to be the Messiah. And this again, this is a, a reminder of the redemption story. The Son of Man is often used in sort of these casual way throughout the Gospels. Jesus refers to himself in this way, in in a very casual way. You know, one example is in the book of Luke. He talks about the Son of Man coming to serve. He is coming to us to be our rescuer and serve us, to lay down his life for us. Again, this shouts to us how far God is willing to go to save us, how much he's willing to do on our behalf. And this is awesome to consider. And this should be humbling to us. And it should remind us that Jesus is worthy of our worship. Whenever we hear the term son of man, and whenever Jesus refers to himself as the son of man, this should be a powerful reminder that he is human, that he understands what it's like to be us, that he's been in our shoes. He gets it. And therefore he can sympathize with us. He can have empathy when we face difficulties. But the greater reminder that the Son of Man reminds us, every time he's referred to as Son of Man, we are reminded of the fact that God became a human, that he condescended, that he sacrificed greatly. And he did this to be our rescuer, to be our Messiah, to be our stand-in, to, to be our advocate, to defend us and rescue us from the consequences of our own sins that we rightly deserve. The Son of Man, the title Son of Man, shouts to us of both the humanity of God and the incredible sacrifice that God is willing to endure because He loves us and is seeking to rescue us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I sure hope this has been encouraging and inspires you to worship Jesus with all that you've got inside of you. If you're listening to this and you have a question about this episode or maybe any of our previous episodes, please feel free to shoot me an email. 
or maybe you have a question or a topic that you'd like me to address on the podcast. Either way, shoot me an email. The address is heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. Also, remember to connect with me on Twitter. I love connecting with people there. My handle is at Kenneth Ortiz. It's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us. Thank you.